Second Timothy 1 is fantastic, right? As, as Paul writes to Timothy, he says, there's a spirit that lives inside of you. Now, what's crazy is, is the way Timothy got the Holy Spirit wasn't how everybody did. Paul said, I laid my hands on you, and the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And that'd be awesome if we could do that. I'd love that, to just be able to do that. Maybe God will let me do that one day, okay? Uh, we read in Acts 2 about God gives us his Holy Spirit when we're baptized in his name. And he said, I'm going to have that spirit come and live inside of you. But he said, that spirit is not a timid spirit. All right, that spirit is full of power and love and self-discipline or even sound judgment is some of the wording on it. All right, is the spirit is full of that. that. That's amazing when you think of it is that is not a spirit of timidity. Two things about reading that passage in Timothy that I really love is there's a real good chance Timothy was timid. All right, that makes me feel better because we, what we do know of Timothy, he might have led one of the largest, most vibrant congregations in Asia. And it's kind of comforting, isn't it, to know that Paul was like, I got this timid guy. And, and that's the guy that I'm walking with and that I'm helping. But he did remind him, he said, you know, the spirit that's inside of you is not timid. That's something we need to remember, I think. That's something that we're going to see in the book of Acts that is an amazing theme in the book of Acts. I think, uh, you know, one of the ways that we get to study our Bible in a really great way is to understand the major themes of the Bible, right? Because that helps us communicate the gospel. When we understand there's this major theme of love, there's this major theme of even sacrifice, of repentance. There's a major theme of faith. There's a major theme that, that's going on. And sometimes it's really nice to understand how that is, but to know that, in the book of Acts, when we're talking about really the first early on fishers of men, there's a theme that Luke weaves through it, and the theme is about being bold. That, that's really cool, okay, when you think about, wow, um, there's this theme that the early Christians were bold. They were emboldened. They lived in a bold way. They spoke Boldly, And sometimes if we forget about that, isn't it really easy to kind of live a very defensive, fearful life? Avoiding conflict at all costs. Avoiding, I don't want to say that because then they'll think that and you play the chess game of all of these things when the Holy Spirit may simply be saying, no, I want you to say this. All right, so we have this idea, this theme, and we're going to show how it kind of weaves this way through the entire book of Acts, all right? But here's one of the things that oftentimes and all of us really do experience. We do have kind of the little voice in our head, right? I don't know what your voice sounds like. My, my voice sounds like uh, James Earl Jones. It's like Darth Vader, man. It's awesome. You know, it's fantastic. But your little voice, there's a voice. There's things we tell ourselves. And you want to know what? There's like a timid part of us. And you know what it says is you don't have enough. Like it's the timidity of saying, you're not old enough spiritually. You don't know enough spiritually. That's what the timid voice is saying. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you have everything you need. Did, did you know that? Like with the Spirit inside of us, you have everything you need. Psalm 23, that's what I love about that first verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I, won't, I don't lack anything. Have you thought about that? Like right now, you don't lack anything. 2 Peter 1, it, right, and, and you might be thinking in your mind, but that's poetry. That, that's, that psalm is poetry. He doesn't really mean that, except, okay, that's great, I accept that, except Peter said, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Like, there's nothing, he actually says, no, I'm taking it out of the poetry realm and telling you for real, you don't lack anything 
That's a vital aspect of living in a way that's bold as a disciple are the voices in our head. The timid voice wants us to focus, and I think, that, I think even as I talk about this, you know this is what goes on with me, and I know this is what goes on with you. It's very easy to focus on people. What, what if I do that, and what are they going to say, and what do they think about me? And It's kind of the peer pressure we all experienced in middle school, you know, where you thought everybody was looking at you, all right? And everybody was going to joke and make fun and all of those kind of things. You get so focused on what everybody else is doing where the bold voice is saying that the, the Holy Spirit is telling us, fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Hebrews 12, fix your eyes. That, that means not wandering around. That doesn't mean like, oh, but what? It's so hard. It is difficult. But it's this idea of this is what the Holy Spirit is telling us. The timid voice says, I can't do this. Like, I can't step out courageously. I can't be courageous in, in my job. I just can't do it. And you know what the bold voice says? It's the same thing that Peter said in Luke chapter 5. Because you say so, I will. Right? You remember when, when, when Jesus came out and he's like, hey, go fish on the other side of the boat. Have you ever had somebody tell you something that you knew was clearly wrong because you knew more than them? All right, yeah, I, clearly that's not the right thing. Jesus, I'm a fisherman. I do this for a living. Boy, and that, that's what messes us up, man, because we think Jesus is just like us, and we get argumentative. Here's what the bold voice says is that idea of going, hold on a minute, you know what the Holy Spirit tells me? Is to have that kind of posture towards God, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I can. All right, and so you have this whole kind of chess match going on in our heads, all right? But I want us to remember that one thing is, the spirit that lives inside of us is not a spirit of timidity, okay? And that is not, let me be very clear about this. This is not a personality trait that I'm talking about. This is not about, oh, man, but Keith, I'm kind of a little bit more uh, shy and quiet and all that kind of stuff. Boldness is not a personality trait. It's a characteristic of God and the Holy Spirit, all right? And so that's very important to understand because if you get all wrapped up in the, well, I'm not being bold unless I'm so, you know, flamboyant and loud and all of these things is we're going to miss the boat, okay? Because we're not talking about a personality change. We're talking about an inner characteristic of the Holy Spirit himself. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 3. I want to just kind of illustrate this story right here as we talk about this and then kind of walk us through this idea of the theme of what it meant to be bold in the book of Acts, in this history book that we're reading. All right, and so in Acts chapter 3, um, I, I want to focus right here on the first verse, okay? Um, Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer. Um, if you've never really thought about the temple complex or if you've ever even thought about this verse in particular, is you have guys who um, are starting the Christian church. And they're in Jerusalem. And you know what they're doing? They're fully invested in their community. And it would be so easy for them to go, we're staying away from those Jews. We know the better way. We, we know what to do. No, 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 let's all hang out. Remember that room where Jesus met? Let's go hang out in that room. All right, but they went out. That's a theme as well that we're going to explore is this idea of it's very hard to be in touch and to be in contact with the Holy Spirit when we are locked within four walls. It's really difficult. So you see these guys going out and they go to this place and the temple complex was huge. I mean, you had the court of Gentiles, the court of women. You had all of these places where you could go and, and hang out and that's where the people were. I don't even know if they wanted to go to the temple complex anymore. 
I mean, I think if I was a Jew and converted to Christianity and realized, you mean I don't have to go to the temple three times a day to pray? You mean I don't have to do that? I don't want to do that anymore. I mean, I got to walk all the way there. You ever done that? You might have done that on campus. You don't have a close parking space. You're like, I don't even want to go on campus because I've got to walk so far. All right. I mean, they could have said, I don't want to do this anymore, except you don't know where all the people were in that complex. That's what a fisher of men. That's how they think. Where are the people? Let's go to the people. All right. And that's what they were doing right here. And they went through there and they're walking up and they see a guy laid down there, a, a, a man paralyzed. And, 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 and the whole story, I'm just kind of paraphrasing this, but he goes down. And he says, listen, uh, dude, I don't have money for you, but I have something better. And he heals him and he gets up to walk. And this guy starts like dancing around and he's so happy. And I think we could really understand that. But in verse 11 is where I want us to pick up. Um, while the paralytic man was holding on to Peter and John, all the people were greatly amazed and ran toward them in what's called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. All right. That right there is what, what a bold move. Is the idea, wow, there's all these people running over here because we just healed this guy. And uh, okay, here we go. There's an audience right in front of me. All right. Let me address the group right here. Okay. Uh, and he says, he goes on and he says, uh, men of Israel, this is kind of tongue in cheek, right? Why are you amazed at this? Well, he was paralyzed. Now he's not paralyzed. It's amazing, right? Why are you amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. You killed the source of life who God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in his name. His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Now, brothers, I, I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders did also, but... What God predicted through the mouth of all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must welcome him until the times of restoration of all things which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophet from the beginning. And then he quotes Moses right here. Um, and then we go into to chapter 4, okay? Um, and now, um, as they were speaking, he kind of has riled up the, the priests, the commander of the temple police, the Sadducees confronted him because they were provoked that they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection of the dead, okay? It's really important to understand that ticked the Sadducees off, all right? The Sadducees were a ruling party, Okay, but the Sadducees said there is no resurrection of the dead. Okay, and so they have been infuriated just from this conversation. And so they seized them and put them in jail until the next day. And since it was already evening, uh, they just kept them there. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to 5,000. Then the next day, the rulers and all of the scribes and elders assembled in Jerusalem with the high priest, Alexander, the members of the high priest family. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all 
to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people that we must, and we must be saved by it. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and untrained, they were amazed and recognized they had been, that they had been with Jesus. Um, this is just an amazing day, wasn't it? I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, you have Peter and John. They're saying, hey, let's go around among the people. I mean, we have an audience, but now we really have an audience. Like God allowed them to have an even more specific audience. And then as they kind of proclaimed the gospel, they created even more of an audience. And then some authorities got involved. And then they got thrown into jail. And, and, and you think that was what their staff meeting was about that morning? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, staff meetings would keep the church going, right? I don't think they met about this one. All right. I think that they were going and going, wow, the Holy Spirit of God is working. Our goal wasn't to go up and get arrested. Our goal wasn't to go up and rile up the Sadducees. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was to walk out the door and live in the Spirit. And that's what they did, okay? But here's the interesting thing about boldness. is Boldness is the intersection, right, of clarity and conviction. Clarity of who Jesus is and a conviction to follow him. That's the intersection right there. One of the things to keep in mind is you don't have to memorize his, his statement and go, I'm going to memorize Acts 3 because then I'm going to go to Publix today and if somebody stops me, I'm going to like go all the way through all these verses and then they'll hear the gospel. Right? The goal isn't that. What they did effectively is communicate the gospel to people that they knew in a way because they were clear of who Jesus is, what Jesus taught, and they were convicted to follow him. That's where we miss it at, okay? It isn't about getting the information and taking this information and running around to see who we can dump it on. If right now you don't have a clarity of who Jesus is, you cannot proclaim the gospel. Even in a rudimentary way I'm talking about. I mean, just a basic knowledge. You don't have to have a theological degree. But understand that without a clarity, these guys understood and they went. And I love their terminology here because they said, listen, they, they, they didn't go, y'all are a bunch of jerks and killers, he said, our fellow brothers. He says, y'all, y'all acted in ignorance. You didn't know any better. Isn't that awesome that he said that? I mean, he said, you didn't know any better. Isn't it easy to just, you assign a motive to people already? Like, like you, have a, you have a friend and, and they may or may not be a disciple and you're going to assign a motive to why they're not? His motive he assigned to, to the Jews who clearly were a part of this murder of Jesus was, guys, I get it, you... You didn't know any better. All right, I mean, the way he approached this, but there was a conviction that we will follow Jesus. As Ben was saying, we have set our, our crown down. We are not in our own throne, okay? We are walking up the temple complex. We're, we're socializing. We're talking with people. This happened. We are so clear about who Jesus is and what he calls us to that this is what we talk about. And he knew that his brothers, who were the Jews, needed to talk through the Old Testament. They needed to talk through the same thing Peter talked about in Acts chapter 2. And everybody doesn't need that. Everybody doesn't need that exact same story. But if you notice, both times, in front of the elders and the scribes and the Sadducees, what do they do? Clearly communicate who Jesus is. That takes boldness. 
He says you can't get saved by anyone else. That takes boldness. He says you can throw us into jail and that's okay, but we still are convicted that he is Lord. All right? The, the intersection of clarity of who Jesus is, not American Jesus. Not the, our, our fellowship culture of Jesus. Jesus Christ and what he calls us to do. The, the intersection of those two things right there is what we see in these guys. And they're able to be bold because they have a deep conviction. They're convinced beyond everything that Jesus is the only one they will follow. And understand that they have watched him again for three years they've watched him. For three years they've been able to see him address authority, him address their fellow Jews. They've been able to do that, all right? And so they're in this kind of training mode and they're going, man, now we're going to open our mouths. And sometimes just opening our mouths is a bold move. It really is, right? In Acts 9, uh, this is, so Saul and Paul are the same person in the book of Acts, okay? If you didn't know that already, all right? Saul, it it might be. I mean, it it was for me at one point, you know, where where I was like, wow, I didn't even get that. Like, it just kind of really quickly moved, okay? So anyway, Saul's baptized. Um, remember Saul's M.O., right? I mean, Saul was bringing Christians in. Like, like if you were a Christian, he was going to get you arrested or killed. He was a part of Stephen's stoning in some way. I guess he was holding jackets for the people killing him, something like that. But the truth of the matter is, is when he went to Jerusalem, all the Christians were scared of Paul. They thought he was lying. They said, there's no way he's a disciple, right? And so this is in Acts chapter 9. Then Barnabas came along, and Barnabas said, hey, dude, you can be my friend. And I'm going to go and tell everybody you're, you're saved. Just, you know, if you're thinking of killing again, don't kill me. Okay, I mean, Barnabas did the right thing, okay? <laughs> Let me befriend you first, okay? Um, but Barnabas went around, and this is what happened. Could you imagine going into a place where you felt like they don't believe I'm a disciple, and um, I, I've maybe even killed some of their family members, all right? And you're going, could you feel like the insecurity and the timidity? And let me just keep my mouth shut and sit back here in a corner until they're okay with me. We say Saul stayed with them and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Man, the intersection of clarity and conviction, all right, is this idea of he moved freely. Boldness has so much to do with freedom, all right? He moved about freely. We see this in Acts chapter 9. In Acts 14, uh, so uh, Paul and Bar- Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Okay, so they're on their little missionary journey right there. And what does Luke use to describe? He says they they spoke boldly for the Lord and God confirmed their message. They spent a lot of time in Iconium. Okay, this little town they stayed in. Okay, Acts 19 in Ephesus, Paul went into the synagogue. Let me ask you something. I want you to think about this, and I wanted to challenge your cultural view, okay? Um, Let's say your buddy becomes a disciple like today. Alex brings his friend out, becomes a disciple today. And um, let's say your friend, let's just use the same context. Your friend's a Jew. And he says, I'm going to synagogue next Saturday. I'm going to talk to my buddies about this. What do you say? You better not. You better be scared of those people. They're going to take your faith. You're not ready for this. 
Isn't it amazing? Oftentimes our language is the opposite of the Holy Spirit's language. You can't handle that. And, and, and what I, my, my, here's my fear is, is a lack of boldness has led us into a defensive posture where we're scared of everybody. Man, don't let our kids around people that aren't disciples. But that's a tough transition. Then when they get old enough, then to say, oh, no, 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 go in and get them. Well, I thought you said be scared of them, Mom. <laughs> like, like, hold on a minute. You all been bad-mouthing my, 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 my friend's parents because of how rotten they are. And then they go to campus, and the campus minister's going, no, go get them, okay? Is there's a defensive posture that, oh, no, no, no. Be scared of people who aren't like us. That is not the language of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, it's a bunch of Jews going into the synagogue. That's Paul. I mean, could you imagine him being tempted? Like, Paul, really? Should you go into the synagogue? What if you get super tempted about how awesome you were as a teacher and everybody's like lavishing praise on you and you're like, what am I thinking following Jesus? I'm going to go back to Judaism. The Holy Spirit is bold. The Holy Spirit, that's just the truth. I want us to challenge our culture on that because here's the fear. If we don't let it loose and get out into the world and we're scared of everybody around us, I've been asking a lot of people questions. Who are your friends that don't come to this church? Who are your friends that are not Christians? Like friends. I don't mean people that you go, I see that dude on the way to class every once in a while. Like I mean really, like as Ben would say, a road dog. Like, man, they know me. They love me. I love them. Like, we are deep friends. And here's what I'm hearing often. I don't have any. Then I guess we can all sit around and be bold with one another, I guess. That gets boring after a while. <laughs> you know, after a while, you know, it's like, it just, it does. It's too safe. All right? The Holy Spirit is dangerous, man. He's like, no, go. Yeah, yeah, Paul, get into that synagogue, okay? And when you get in there, stay there for three months. Wow. <laughs> and he argued persuasively. Let me be real clear about that. He wasn't arguing. You get that point? I mean, the, I think most of the people over 40 will probably get that point. He wasn't going in there like, you ready to argue? He was making an argument. You know the difference? <laughs> like he was clearly communicating his side of things, okay? So please don't understand that boldness is going to pick a fight, okay? That's not what he was doing, all right? He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance, in this passage, he's on house arrest. Like he can walk around his home. Luke said, no, no, no. It didn't stop his boldness, and it did not hinder him from proclaiming the gospel, let me ask you something. If you couldn't leave the house for the rest of this week, could you still get somebody to come in for dinner on Wednesday? Because he was under house arrest. <laughs> it wasn't hospitality night. <laughs> okay? And he got people to come into his house. He's like, listen, no cell phone, no telephone, no internet, no social media, no posting it on GroupMe, no nothing. It was just like, dude, probably a soldier or a friend, like, hey, could you like, let them know that they need to come over and see me? Like, I'm open for business. Okay, and spoke with all boldness. All right, I love this theme. Okay, but here's what the word you want to really understand what that word means free and fearless. If we think, listen, if you're scared, deal with your fear before you jump into trying to be bold. Okay, because here's what happens. Okay, and you can take it from me in my own experience, in my own. Uh, I don't even know what the right, can you say idiocy or something like some, that's a new word, idiocy. 
a good one. If, you, if y'all were on social media, you could post that, but you can't. So, uh, But here's the truth of the matter is, is oftentimes we see bold as um, I get emboldened um, by I'm scared and angry. And so now let me go and turn me loose. Like I'm, I'm angry at the state of the, uh, of the world. Let me go be bold. And then actually this word is free and fearless. It's this idea of going, hold on a minute, I'm free, and I, let me deal with my fear and my anger before I'm turned loose, confident and calm. Boldness is not being loud. Can you picture yourself this way? I'm just, just free. You know, freedom, freedom is a beautiful thing on people. Okay? I'm not a handsome man. But I'm going to tell you, I'm an uglier man the more I feel in captivity, the more stress, the more strain, the more weight of the world, the more materialism, the more sin. It just it kind of wears on you. Freedom looks great on everyone. It's that piece of clothing that looks great on everybody, right? I mean, that's what freedom looks like, fearless and free, all right? It's, it's that idea of, that, that's one of the things I've had to remind myself over and over and over again um, from the scripture is there is a, there is a message Particularly the psalmists, I think, get this very well when they talk about how, God, you are a refuge. You are our, our, our shield, right? You are a rock. You are all these things. There's one word. There's, there's this one saying that's helped me a whole lot. Here's the saying is, you're safe. In Jesus, you're safe, okay? <laughs> Far too often we live in a way that we feel in danger for whatever reason. We feel like we're in danger. I'm walking on campus and I'm feeling this anxiety. That's because we're, you're, it's this evolutionary response that our adrenal glands are pumping out and going, you're not safe right now. And Jesus is going, no, 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 you are safe. Like this fortress. You can be confident and calm. You know, that's a beautiful place to be, isn't it? Confident in you because you're awesome? No confident because of who jesus is it's, it's exactly what ben was saying is is if there isn't a constant mantra going through our minds of who jesus is and his love and what he calls us to do i don't here i'll just say this about me i can't be confident and calm if i don't do that like if i just like mail it in and start thinking my own thing during the day i get scared and insecure and and and, and just all of those things okay uh, but it's this idea of free and fearless Confident and calm. That's what that word means. When Paul spoke boldly, he said he did it free and fearlessly. Confident and calmly. He didn't lose his mind. He wasn't yelling and screaming and spitting and spit coming down his beard and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't going on. I, here's the thing. Small print. That's okay. Here, I, I just feel like there is a certain thing that we always have to talk about about what it isn't. Because it's very easy. I don't know if it's easy for you, but it is for me. Um, and where I came from in a lot of ways. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, when I read about the interactions they were having, I can read in a very rude, disrespectful, like not a bad way, in like a good way. Like I think, dude, this is licensed to just be irres- just, just disrespectful. Like look at what Peter and John did. They got in their face. Look what Peter and John did, man. They showed them who was boss. Look what Peter and John did when they were in the authorities, man. They ticked the Sadducees off. Look at that. And there's a side of my character that loves that so deeply. It's, a, it's who I am, okay? It's that idea of going, dude, I can be bold, and, and I can be rude. That means I can be rude, sassy. It's what we use with our kids, right? You can't be sassy. Disrespectful, angry, rat. Boldness is not being rash. It doesn't mean that, oh, I feel this. Let me go do it. That's not boldness either, all right? 
Boldness doesn't look for a fight. Understand, we may have to reread this, and if, if you're like me, I have to reread oftentimes these interactions because I can read into rudeness and disrespectfulness and all these things and go, hold on a minute. Here's what we have to be able to do, and that's the way I compartmentalize. I'll bet you every one of us do this. We compartmentalize things. Okay, uh, follow me. That's a compartment. And the Holy Spirit's a compartment. And boldness is a compartment. And I just got to figure out which one I'm going to pull from today. And we're going, hold on a minute. There are huge umbrellas that govern everything, okay? There's no boldness if we don't love. It just doesn't work. Right? There is no boldness if we aren't following Jesus. That doesn't mean that I just say I'm following Jesus. It means that I actually have reviewed, understood, like inwardly, like taken in. How did he do this? How did he talk to the woman at the well? How did he talk to Zacchaeus? How did he talk to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these kind of things? And, and again, just to caution you, because I've done this before, is, is just because Jesus turned a table over. All right. Don't take that as some license to be a maniac, like Amen. screaming and yelling and all that kind of stuff. I'm serious, man. I mean, that ain't, that's not bold. That's being a, you know, if, if you do it that way, believe me, Jesus was not out of control. Yeah. I think we read in anger. I think we read in things, Western anger, human anger into Jesus that he didn't have, okay? But if we have to read, kind of reorient ourselves about how they spoke, if they were speaking to the people free and fearlessly, confident and calmly okay slash boldly okay if they were doing that here's here's really the amazing thing is is hey guys i'm glad you were here i mean you read it in a totally different way brothers i know you didn't mean to do that you didn't know any better but here's what i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you the truth and this truth really is unbendable and and i'm going to share my clear conviction and i'm going to share with you about jesus clearly all right and doing it boldly, like I'm not withholding anything. I'm not trying to make this easier. I'm telling you the truth. But it's not disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Right? If there's any part of this that you feel like, I'm going to go and pick a fight with somebody and pat myself on the back because I'm bold at that point, believe me, you are in some other religion. You're in some other way. It is not Christianity, okay? It isn't these things, all right? Um, so it's like, how do I get some of this, Right? I want some boldness. I want more boldness. We all, I think until the day we die, we're going to need more and more and more. Acts 4.31, right at the end that we didn't read, it says, after they prayed. I mean, that, that's one of those things we just got to believe. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. After they prayed, in fact, just above that, they actually prayed, let your servants speak the word boldly. Boy, that's a prayer right there. Let me speak your word boldly, calmly, confidently, fearlessly, free, all right? Ephesians 6, Paul says, pray for me. You know, that's kind of amazing that this idea of boldness and prayer are going hand in hand, that whenever I speak, Words can be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Hey, there's only one way we, we get good at this, really, is we got to go out and open our mouths. But this is a great prayer before we do it. Yeah. Let me make known clearly. If I'm speaking to somebody who's Jewish, make me say it clearly. If I'm speaking to somebody who's an atheist, somebody who's been hurt in a church, somebody whoever, that I can communicate this clearly Pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. Right, again, I mean, this is just a deep manifestation of the Holy Spirit, okay? 
The wicked flee. Here, boy, Proverbs 28. This is a good. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Man, I'll tell you what, living a double life kills boldness. Yeah. Right. It just does. Yeah. Man, you got things hidden, boldness is dead. Yeah. <laughs> you trying to be somebody you're not? Boldness is dead. It doesn't have to be like some, like, whoa, yeah, I have a, you know, a storage unit full of bodies over there in Seneca. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about, like, it can just be you're trying to be somebody you're not. Yeah. Kills boldness. The wicked flee because you know you're not who you're portraying. Even if you're really trying to, man, you, you know a brother that you think is so awesome and you're trying to be just like him. You know you're not him. Your boldness is gone. All right? The wicked flee, though no one pursues. We, we've all felt that before. You think everyone's after you because you're hiding something. The righteous are as bold as lions. Got nothing to hide, nothing to lose. Man, you could you could turn over every rock and 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 you will be, you are bolder. And here's 2 Timothy 1 7. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but one a power of love, of self-control. This is a principle I want to remind us of here, because as we're talking yeah. about this, this truly is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This is where prayer gets us in contact with the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit is, is, is trying to like well up in boldness inside of us. But this is a really important passage right here. Obedience is where me and you meet the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay? Th- these guys heeded the response. They understood even Jesus' methodology But they were like, you know what? We need to go and do what he says. We need to go do things how he did things. We need to follow his example. And you want to know what? They met the Holy Spirit. It's really amazing. The fruits of the Holy Spirit oftentimes are very similar to things that we are commanded to do. Like the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, but we're commanded to love. Joy, but you're told be joyful always. I mean, there's these commands. Well, why? Because you want to know what? Obedience is where we come in contact with the Holy Spirit. And then it becomes supernatural, all right? And so that's something to think about. But if, you, if you're waiting on your heels, if you're sitting on your hands, if you're in your house, if you're, if you're just kind of hoping that in some way, shape, or form something crazy will happen, simply go out and obey God. Simply do that. And believe me, the Holy Spirit is at work. He's at work out there. He's at work in our dorms. He's at work in our apartments. He's at work in all of these places. And as we said at the beginning, timidity says, I don't have enough. All right, and again, this is from what we memorized last week. Psalm 23 said, we don't lack anything, not a single thing. <clears throat> timidity focuses on people. Boldness fixes his eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Timidity says, I can't. Boldness says, no, no, no. Because Jesus, you said so, we're going. All right? So, once again, this is one of those things. It's just, just information right now. All right, this is, has got to be practically applied. All right? And um, continue to study the book of Acts. Read through. Uh, read, continually read it. Re- read, read the first few chapters. Go back and read them again. Keep rereading. Like, get this understanding of what was going on because we're going to see these themes, but also just going out and obeying. Amen. And you want to know what? Again, as we said before, we're going to celebrate here as a body, as a, as a family. When we gather together, we're going to celebrate trying. We're going to celebrate failure, and we're going to celebrate victory. I know victory is a simple one, right? 
But hopefully at some point this week, you're patting your brother or sister on the back because they, man, they boldly tried. They boldly tried and boldly failed maybe. And okay, well, we can help one another in failure, but dude, let's celebrate it as well, okay? Because to, in order to fail, you got to step out of the boat. That's one of the pictures I see of this, of a bold move of what we're talking about. Is that Matthew 14 of, of Peter going, I want to walk on water. Hey, Jesus, tell me to come to you. Okay, come on out. And that bold move of that first step, all right? That, and maybe the second step even, all right? And so it's that idea of, okay, God, ask me to do something. You're telling me to do something. Let me obey it. Um, but, but let me follow you boldly.